Ahoy, hoy, Noiros! Welcome to a, a lovely uh, episode for lovers, right? We were just talking about how much we love Valentine's Day and we're in the throes of it. Uh, welcome to Out of the Podcast. Out of our hearts, out of our minds. Uh, out of the shadows? Maybe it. There's some shadows, but there's there's some light as well. We, we, we see the light. This intro, just totally going great so far. Welcome to the <laughs> Good show. Good job. Thank you, Ghost Voice. Who's that? I don't know. I got the other ghost voice here. Only ghost in town himself. That's Mr. me. Mr. Dan. Hi there. And uh, Gentleman Joey here to say, I guess it's just us two. Oh, wait a second. Who's that do I see? Is it an old friend, Dan? Do I see an old friend of the show? I do. The original. The the friend, our, our best friend of the show, we'll say. And don't you forget <laughs> it. You can say that. Yeah, Dan, Dan doesn't agree, but I, I like I... you, Lisa. And thank you for coming back. You're very welcome. Anytime. Great you know, to have been, you back. I'm watching so much Green Acres right now, and uh, the the wife's name is is named Lisa on the show, and he's just constantly yelling Lisa. So <laughs> you know, I get a clip of that for this this episode and just yes, play it play you. it radically through the episode. I, don't don't tempt me, Dan. I would be so psyched. <laughs> this could easily become a Green Acres podcast like that. <laughs> the the true spinoff you've been waiting for an, an episode. What we at fifty seven? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just got into the show, so. I've been waiting for it since episode 55, I guess. Now it's a long time. It's a long time. Time is passing, as we've been saying with 2022. We're already in yeah. February. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that's the quickest month. So get ready for it. That's true. Any any good February memories? Doesn't have to be Valentine's Day related. In fact, I, I discourage it. Such a quick month. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I leap year uh, is fun, right? When that happens. When do we do for that? My brother and my mom both have birthdays in this month. That's always my first thought. I have two cl- close family members that have birthdays. Yeah, open with that, Dan. Let <laughs> me go to leap year before we get to these lovely birthdays. Well, happy yeah. birthday. Uh, have, are there birthdays in time for this episode? Or No. We'll save it for an, a future episode. Yeah. Shout Birthday shout outs later on. That's the only February thing I have besides leap years. Oh, okay. My aunt's ex-husband actually was from Punxsutawney. So. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. So oh, that yeah, was we a good one. We should acknowledge Gone Hog Day is a great movie, and I do watch that every year on the second. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I love is that that movie is nowhere to be found on streaming anytime Groundhog Day hits, and, and I love that for it. <laughs> of course. Of course. When you think that would be the most. I mean, I, I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched it every year, like I said. I finally broke down and got a copy a little before Ground. It may have been on Groundhog's Day. There was somewhere in Jersey. Shout out to you guys plenty of jersey coming up in this episode sorry lisa i'm stealing your thunder (laughs) i saw you lifting it and i said don't mind if i do i'm gonna take it i'm i'm leaving that's it get out of here get out of here and go to this best buy that gave me a copy of groundhog day on blu-ray that's what i that's all i'm going towards here and i've been watching it ever since and it's like a weird edition it's like back in like the days of uh you know like totally weathered out edition uncut teeth (laughs) <laughs> did i ever tell you about the time that i got carded trying to buy a movie at best buy never no. <laughs> tell that story how is that even possible uh, i didn't think it was possible either but and and you're, you're, yeah i'm peeling back the curtain but you're also gonna <laughs> love the movie that i got, I got carded over oh so, boy oh um, boy so get strap in let me prep a sip so i can spit it out exactly i'm i'm <laughs> this is a fantastic story so i was Gulp. buying 
Fargo on Blu-ray, oh. <laughs> the movie. Um, and for whatever reason, the, the guy working the cast register uh, was like, because I guess they get like a notification, like if it's R-rated or, or whatever, maybe that they have, they're technically supposed to card you. And he thought I was younger, but, and I bought this probably, I guess I was probably like 28 at the time. <laughs> and you know, I'll be 35 this year. So, you know, I, I was, and he's like, are, are you, uh, I, I have to see your idea. Are you over 18? I was like, yeah, if you add about 10 plus years to that, yes. This sounds very <laughs> flattering. Yeah, you should be, yeah, you should exactly. have been blushing. Yeah. I did feel good. Thank you, sir. Yes. I did feel good about Ooh, it, but me? it was very odd. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I would have run away like, yes, I am three kids in a trench coat. You caught me. <laughs> Keep well, you your Fargo, sir. You should have saw their face when they saw my ID. Oh, that's like, oh, worth okay. it. Yeah, that must have been beautiful. <laughs> they were just like, wow, you're, it's like, you're really that old? And like, yeah. Yeah, and I bet they didn't ask the next person that they were ready to card. They're like, you know what? I bet they're yeah. old enough. And it was like some 12-year-old. Yeah. The, next person, the next person buying Fargo, that was right behind me. You mean, it's, <laughs> it's a, just a it, line of people buying all buying Fargo. Very popular movie. Yeah. People love Fargo. I'm sure there's a 4K to get people carded at Best Buy now. I, I hope my next experience is going to buy that on 4K and getting carded again. At Make sure you shave that day, you know, going as young as possible. I should. I bring should. bring yeah. one of those gigantic lollipops. Yeah. Yeah. Bow tie. Little Please. Hat. Yeah. Yeah, that hat with the little propeller on it. Yes. Yep. I'm sure you already have one. Just pull it from the closet already, Dan. Oh, you mean, you mean oh, this yeah. one? You mean this <laughs> one right here? Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> he went away. He just floated away, everybody. Hopefully we can get him back. Yes. Oh, someone grabbed his foot and brought him back in. Thank you. That's our intern who did that. Shout out to them. Always working hard. Yes. Our, Victor Laszlo, our, our, our intern. Yes, thank you, Dan. I didn't have the name ready, but. Good job. Yes. Great name. What do you, you guys feel warmed up? I do. <laughs> in this cold Never. February episode. It's so cold out right now. Welcome to the show, everybody. This feels like, I mean, we were destined to get here. The Killers, of course. I'm talking about episode 57 naturally um yeah i don't know what, what's your guys' experience with this film i, I remember talking to dan of how are we going to get lisa back and we had this one coming up and he said this was perfect for you so are you a killer's lover or did we put you on the spot for nothing no you didn't okay um, good i thought it would I be like a good this. one for you I, I was thinking in my head i was like because we had i was looking at the list and i'm like we're talking about doing some guests i was like i think this would be a good one for lisa i feel like she probably would like so i don't know if we ever talked about this one you and i directly okay I didn't know if there was a history there, but I... I kind of felt like you would love this one. So that's why I, I thought, tell me if I'm wrong, but... Oh, no. Uh, you <laughs> okay. know what, Dan? I like a challenge. So I don't Ooh. come on and have something that I love. That's that's easy. That can... You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. boring. I like this movie. There's a lot of things I like about this movie. Okay. I don't love it. Oh. A lot of things that I like about this movie. Okay. So... I would I will spoil and say that's about my experience as well. I think what you get or what you want, you get with crisscross eventually in, mm -hmm. in many ways. But there is so much here that is is fantastic. And it's it's worth watching. I mean, it, it's a and it's agree a on this one, I think. Uh oh, yeah. uh oh. Well, <laughs> and also I, I feel like since I, in, in many ways, this is a kind of similar ish to out of the past. So I feel like for you, it's like out of the past is always going to be above you know, so, something else that's similar. I mean, it's not completely similar, but there's similarities. There's definitely it's tropey. This one is very tropey. Yeah. And I would say by, what would we say, 46 is, on this one? Is that a technical yeah. term? Tropey? <laughs> I mean, you know, we're film reviewers, Dan, where we make terms. Make your so, own term. Yes. It's tropey a, a, coined our, <laughs> today. Our lexicon. Yep. Yes. I, I think there's, there's a lot of tropes. I mean, you get right into the diner. 
I mean, I didn't read the original short story, so I don't know if there's a diner in that or what. I don't know how film noir Ernest Hemingway was when he wrote this, you know. His first 20 minutes of the, that first 20 minutes of the movie is really the only piece of his book that they used. I, I'm yes. a fan of his, so that's really the only part of it that they hmm. used. I, that's one of my favorite parts, actually. Even though a part of it, it can get a little long but it is this is a long one yes well i was um, just excited that we get a diner again i I, it's been i feel like we've had a large gap because we we had like a good span where we were getting diners like in a row and then we've gone a long time without getting one so i knew that going in that's the one thing i was like i'm looking forward to doing this one just because we get to talk about a diner scene (laughs) daniel instantly i thought the same thing it was like oh here we go again and at the same time wow how long has it been since we've seen one it feels like it had been a while guys let's get right into it so this is the killer's it was released August 30th, 1946 from Universal Pictures, directed by old Robert Sidemack. And we got screenplay by Anthony Baylor, but also we'll get later into it. There's a lot of hands in this cookie jar. Based on The Killers by Ernest Hemingway and produced by Mark Hellinger. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the diner because we're, we're, we're going right in for a bite. And to old Brentwood, New Jersey, everybody. New Jersey noir. We did it finally. I mean, as you, anyone who's been knows, it's a spooky, dangerous place to be. So it, it very in- instantly you can get into this mindset. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, making, I'm saying things to be controversial and I'm getting the faces I want, but I'm getting none of the sounds. You guys are leaving me out there to hang and I just sound like a real dickhead. So I apologize. <laughs> My jokes are, are dying. I should probably not have a podcast, but hey, we're looking for sure it's a made up town. So. Brentwood, I would imagine so, yeah. They, I mean, they drop plenty of real places. I believe we visit Atlantic City a decent amount of times. Oh, yeah. And yes, of course, we're going to come to my side of the ocean. and Of the ocean. <laughs> hey, I crossed that bridge. It's an ocean, all right. The Delaware Ocean. So yeah, this diner, this whole scene is what this short story is. I kind of like the idea of like letting this part of the story kind of you know, people taking this and starting with it and then just like find your own movie and story from there. You know, like you could almost just keep doing a movie based off of this intro and then, you know, and then have your own ideas from there. So, you know, in that respect, I really do like that. I I watched, there's the the special feature on here. uh, I'm sure Dan is familiar with it, that Tarkovsky, the, there's like a 20 minute short film that's based off, there it is. uh, That's based off of that. I watched that before we started here and it was interesting to see his take on it as well. And it seems like everyone was kind of, I don't know how much influence he got from this, but it seems like people were drawing the same conclusions, having yeah, a lot a of fun in that film. diner. I think yeah, that it confirms a... that it's a diner if other people are doing diners. Asked yeah. and answered. I think it's been a while since I watched that version, but it, I remember that, I'm pretty sure that short take all takes place in the same, takes in one place. It doesn't move right. from there. Yeah. It's more closely to the, the short story. Exactly. And you get, so yeah, Alan Max is two hitmen. Also keeping with the theme lately of, of two hitmen, uh, henchmen guys, you know, coming in to do business. And, and definitely I would agree, like this intro, it feels very out of the past to you with like, we're, we're going right into a diner and we're looking for someone. We're looking for the Swede, Pete Lund, but get that out of your head. We're just calling him the Swede the whole time. Turns out he goes to this diner quite a bit and these guys are looking for him. You got customer Nick Adams is there as well. These guys, they they uh, they come in hot. They come in nasty, and it's a slow day. But they're making the chef and and the server and the the customers. They all have to go in back, and they're trying to wait for this guy to come in for lunch or for dinner. Rather, excuse me. It's very controversial the fact that 
certain things are served for dinner, yep. all the good stuff, basically. And, you know, for a diner of all things, you think they'd be a little more flexible of like, yeah, whatever, whenever. That's the whole concept of a diner. But maybe that hadn't turn, happened yet. They didn't turn on the fryers and God forbid, whatever. Yeah, God forbid you do a little work back there. And the Sam- just sandwiches and what was it? Eggs and bacon yeah. and all that ham. Kind of stuff. There's some ham. ham. Yeah. yeah. Lots I remember. Of whiff and yep. lots of bright boys. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I do like that he keeps calling them bright boy. <laughs> and no, no beers. You can't get a beer or anything. Nope. No fun, basically. No, not till six o'clock. Nope. Yep. <laughs> that's what that's when it really starts to kick off. Yeah. I mean, we all know this about New Jersey. Like, don't even bother showing up until after six. I think that's pretty right. accurate. Six to six is your guys' hours, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, fair enough. <laughs> Um, so there's just some nice interplay between these two two spooky guys. Yeah, we don't know why they're looking for the Swede just yet, but they, they think they have a, a lead on him. So they go to look for him at his boarding house. But uh, this guy, Nick, he's able to make it there first. They say, go to him first. Don't even go to the cops. And he's like, hey, by the way, these guys are coming to kill you, Swede. So obviously you're going to be like, holy shit, this is bad. But he he doesn't care. He's all mopey, bummed out. And just like, oh, about, about that time, huh? And uh, Swede, of course, is Burt Lancaster. We should probably point out this is his first role. I'd say, and, you know, we also get Ava Gardner in one of her earliest ones. There's a lot of debuts. I mean, other than Edmund O'Brien, who just kills it throughout. You know, it's not even like nobody doesn't kill it, but just no, everyone feels very evergreen, you know? Like, it's, they're just not quite there yet. And and um, that's sort of the problem, because you do see, like, people like, hey, Burt Lancaster, I, I know I've enjoyed him in roles before. What's going on here? But it's just like, I don't know. Something's something's a little lacking in him. So you're really gonna have to rely on like the story and and some couple of things. I, I I gotta say though, Edmund O'Brien, we're loving him, and he's he's just on a, a he does a great job in this. It's kind of a different role for him. A lot at first, I'm like, does that look like Edmund O'Brien or is that Edmund O'Brien? Because I was just he was so put together. I'm used to him just running around or being taken hostage or you know all these awful things instead of an insurance investigator. Another trope. There's parts where it sort of works, though, for Burt Lancaster, like in the beginning where you see him laying there, he has this like wide eyed innocence. And maybe it's because it's his first role where he just looks kind of lost and he's sad. And in that beginning scene where they come to shoot him, he just doesn't care. And he grips the bedpost and he's just, you know, that's all you see. I know. Mm, Right there. Sorry. We're basically there. You're fine. (laughs) he, He just... He has that look about him and maybe it is because it was his first role, but he, it, that works in his, yeah. but I you could definitely see like what they saw in him and, and, and why he's here. So, I mean, like, yeah, there's oh, no, yeah. no reason to recast this man. No, but I agree with the, you know, he, he's not quite in his element yet, but, but sometimes it almost kind of works because he, he looks like a deer in headlights sometimes. And that's kind of his character in this. He's just a big dope. Like every, yeah takes oh. advantage of him <laughs> in this movie so. truly yeah no it it, it 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 very much works in that regard even just him like with his boxing past but not being very successful at it like right it, it just it does give that everyman quality to him well well done lancaster you old carney <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the sweetie had a little bit of insurance he, he took out a policy with atlantic casual and this is where we're going to get our edmund o'brien of course and he's he starts looking into this murder. I, I would love to see these like our insurance investigators. Do they really go this like hardcore like in life? I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about we just did two back to back 
emphasis oh, yeah. with insurance investigators. <laughs> I don't know if we, I don't think we planned that, but no, not at all. But between that and the fact that we have like these two henchmen, hitmen, you know, going after him, it, right. it, it did feel like a real back to back with Nightfall. Yes. Double Indemnity was on TCM the other night. So, of course, I'm tuning in and I'm just really taking in the insurance-ness of it all. It's <laughs> it's just such a bizarre trope. I mean, like, it's weird that that succeeded and they're like, that's the blueprint. And it's like, you could just investigate anything. Like, yeah. yeah. Why? Why insurance? Like, why, why insurance? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was think- it a big thing then? Like, people, everyone was cashing in on life policies, just pushing their moms down the stairs? Like, <laughs> why? If your grandparent was an insurance <laughs> investigator at this time, please get them on the show. We would love to right. talk to them. We have many questions. Lisa yeah. will come back for this questionnaire. Absolutely. We're going to wire Special them episode. Up. Yes. Yes. No, we, we will do, we'll do a spinoff. We'll get into their life, but we also really want to know about this little nugget. Maybe we're in the wrong business, huh? Maybe we should be investing. Take these talents we're learning into the insurance game. I wonder how many people do insurance and they're like, well, you know, I was really into double indemnity and uh, inspired me inspired. to yeah. <laughs> come out here into the field. Huh. Who knows? But we're maybe you look- meet Barbara Stanwyck. Maybe you, know, you get an escaper. You know, I, it sounds good to me. I mean, the movies, they never lie. So, right. Never. I, absolutely. This, and I'm sure almost 100 years later, it still holds up. Totally. Yeah. They still get a gun. They go after like $1,500 policies. With yeah. Them. Instead of just rejecting everything like we know they do. Correct. <laughs> you have to do your own investigation to tell them why you're worth giving money to. Well done, everybody. But we like this insurance investigator. He's doing the good work. These Jersey ones, huh? They know how to do it. This guy, he's going back. We're going backwards. And this is where we get into how we're telling the story it goes backwards a little bit at first. There's a lot of flashbacks. It's it's very interesting how it rolls out. I think that's my favorite thing about the movie, actually. Like it's, you only meet Bert the Lancaster. The way it yeah, you only yeah. get Lancaster in present right away when he dies, and then you just right. figure it out. So I mean, it, it is those things. Like the structure of this movie is so solid that that's right. why it deserves to be a Criterion collection. Agreed. What number on the spine, Dan? This is one seventy six. <laughs> Also includes the the 1964, which I've only tried to watch once and I fell asleep. You know, it, it falls in our, our our timeline, and I'm sure we we we'd get to it at some point. Um, yeah, Lee Marvin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's got Ronald Reagan in this. At the end of the oh. day, like fuck that movie, but oh, no. <laughs> but then Lee Marvin. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. And uh, and that, that they deemed it uh, it was originally supposed to be a TV movie, and they said it was too violent for TV, and then they gave it a theatrical release. So I mean, that's that's you know that could be enticing, but. Yeah, I I, I'm open to watching it again. We were doing, guys. Aren't we doing the Ronald Reagan version right now? Isn't that well, well, <laughs> well, Lisa? <laughs> the movie I watched. Well, Oops. you listened to the Killers, the band. That, yes, that's what you, you did. The you, whole uh, album. The, the How whole... many do they have? <laughs> you know, IMDb said they may have taken their name from this movie, but it also just seemed like it was someone guessing that, like, hey, that could be the case. So who knows? Was it one one out of 346 people found it interesting? <laughs> Boy, you really, there was not, even the most interesting fun fact did not even break 100, I believe. So, Oh, man. Sorry about that. Let's talk about this other movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sounds good. We got fun facts for that later. We're getting into it. Uh, we're going back. We're going back, everybody. Uh, we got, we're going to go talk to Nick. And this is a guy who worked with the Swede at a filling station. And Nick, you know, he says, Swede stopped coming into work a week before he got killed because he's been 
Uh, he waited on a middle-aged stranger at the station. Hmm, I wonder who this could have been. They were a wealthy one who seemed to bum out the old Swede. Also, Lancaster, like, doesn't seem that Swedish is the interesting thing, too. Like, Yes, thank you. It just seems like, they, you know, you might as well have changed the name. To the tall guy? Is he the Swede in the Hemingway story? Don't know. Okay. Our expert doesn't know. That's all right. Sorry. I watched uh, the PBS documentary on Ernest Hemingway when it aired the... What's his name? What's the PBS documentary guy's name? Ken something, am I right? Yes. Ken Burns. Yes, Ken Burns, thank yes, you. Thank you. It's been a long day, everybody. He did uh-huh. one. It was very interesting. I don't remember what they said about the killers, though. I just did a quick uh, fact check, and the in the, the short story, the character's name is Oli Anderson, Anderson, and they say he's Swedish, but it doesn't necessarily... Wait, actually... Name, that's what I'm trying to remember. I knew the name, but not. A There's thing. a mention at the end of this that says that they 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 call to him as the Swede, but in the actual synopsis, they don't say it. So undetermined. But maybe they say totally once, the and they're like, "Yeah, we yeah. love this. This is what they call him, the Swede, the yeah. fucking Swede. This is noir, everybody. This Swede over here, right? Maybe like everything had to have a thing, so they gave him that nickname to. Yeah, tall guy would have been great. That would have been fun. tall guy. Yeah. yeah, I like it better. Tall guy, bright boy. Or maybe yeah, because see? he looks not like a Swede, they're like using it to mock him, you know, like, oh, this Swede, like, this Berlin cast is carny, you know, like, come on now. But yeah, turns out uh, the Swede was leaving money to the insurance policy. It's going to Mary Ellen Doherty or Queenie. She was a cleaning woman at, at an Atlantic City hotel. So it was like, well, what is going on? Why is she getting the money? And she's even unsure at first. But then she's like, oh, yeah, this guy, uh, he stayed here six years ago <laughs> and I uh, stopped him from killing himself. So, yeah, you're going to remember something like that. And uh, that's worth a couple of bucks. So way to go to Sweden. You're paying for your trauma on other people. That's the least you can do. There's your other uh, out of the past reference, though. The the gas station. Yes. Yeah. yes. And the remembrance and, you know, yeah, his past really following him and, and catching up with him. It's the same. Hiding out. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. But that's about it, really, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. be, beyond that, I mean, then you're, it's this really is just a marriage of so many tropes. I mean, we could say boxing is a noir trope at this point. Mm. Femme fatale. And femme fatale, you know, bank heist, you know, all that stuff. It, it really is a melting pot of goodness. And th- there is something interesting about that when, when these movies take that kind of route. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Jim goes back to his office. He finds out that this guy was a former boxer, like we were just saying, Ole Anderson. And he ended up going to jail for a little bit after his career ended for robbery. So Jim goes to his arresting officer. This takes us to Philadelphia. Welcome to it. City of brotherly love, they say, huh? Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's the case here because this guy, Sam Lubinsky, he loves the Swede. They grew up together in Philly and uh, even his wife used to date him for a little bit before they got together. And in fact, that's our next flashback. Lily is the wife's name. She's going to go ahead and take us back to uh, the last time they were together. It's at this party given by Jake the Rake, which we got to slow down and say shout out to Jake the Rake. I loved hearing that every time it came up. You never think of that, you know? Every other Jake in the world, but never the rake. Why is he called Jake the rake? That's my only disappointment. We never got into Jake the rake's history. That's true. I also love Sam. That's um Sam Levine. And he was like a great character actor. Plays the cop. So he, uh, he was in a lot of B movies and always solid, always. Dependable. Yes, exactly. An institution. And I also decided, speaking of him being called Sam, that's a trope too, right? There's always a, yeah, there's. Oh, just Sam. Like, there's someone named Sam. Sam yeah. yeah. You agree it's with that, Dan? Common. Yeah, Sam's definitely a pretty common name. Hence a trope. Commonality. 
But yeah, so they're at this nice little party. All is going well. Besides Jake the Rake, we got Big Jim Colfax and uh, Blinky Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, we got ourselves a little singer, do we, huh? Someone with some nice pipes. It's Kitty Collins. Meow, everybody. Uh, (laughs) The Swede instantly has eyes for her and says, hey, she's got the goods. She sings herself a little song. And, it's amazing uh, how he just completely forgets about his <laughs> like Oh, that, my God. Like, he's just, like, like walking closer and closer yes. to her as she's, like, further and further. And it's just like, yeah. It's amazing. The best like, is his girlfriend when she gets a, what does she ask for, a, uh, a soda or something? G- ginger ale. Yeah, ginger yeah. ale, that's it. And then he sees her and she's like, all right, make that up. Yeah, bartender comes back and is like, yeah, we're going to need to update uh-huh. on this trip. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to oogle this lady. I might as well get drunk because this sucks it's just so blatant <laughs> poor lily i i think it all worked out for her in the end though especially oh, um, yeah. you know you can't trust no swede <laughs> you know god bless them but this, these are all red flags throughout the movie just I just you, you gotta look for your old uh you gotta find your lieutenant sam Lubinsky. yeah and lily she looked better. she looked happier with him like she just all looked so much better but that's all right because you know, these, these old dum-dums, and I'm not talking dum-dum Clark, of course. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I'd have to make that distinction. I thought I could just say dum-dum freely, but we're watching <laughs> The Killers, everybody. But that was uh, nice. I like that. Thank that you. was a good one, yeah. Yeah, so we, we, love, we love our dum-dum Clark. But yeah, this guy, of course, he's destined for a femme fatale, and that's, of course, going to be our Ava Gardner. And w- welcome to Film Noir, Ava. What a, what a lovely time. She's a babe. Schwing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so very effective. Um, I mean, you know, she's she's singing the songs that break your heart and and make you forget about your lilies. And... The more I know of love, the less I know. Here's your drink, lady. The more I give to. She said, "Here's your drink, lady." The more I owe. Thank you very much. We also talk about after that, um, Sam is like, oh, a little time after that, I was working on this jewelry heist and I end up at this restaurant uh, based off a tip. And there's a very nice, uh, what is it, like a brooch? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm no expert. Forgive me, guys. But th- there's a nice little brooch that like that's what they're looking for, at least one piece of it. And they like do some like signaling and like it just disappears and ends up in the soup or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, that was that I, that might be one of the, the most inventive bits of the entire movie. That was just great. But that's not good enough for old Lubinsky. He totally figures it out. Maybe he just had, wants to try a little sample of the soup for later, you know, get a little to go cup. <laughs> but, yeah, but uh, <laughs> he finds it. Everyone's busted. And then comes in old Swede. And, you know, he's just a total sucker. And he, just, he takes the rap, basically, because, um, you know, Kitty, she's just like, hey, you know, th- this could ruin me. I'll, I'll be up the river forever based off of who I am. Meanwhile, this guy's got no record, so he could do three years for this, and he does, and it's insane. Quite a sentence for for that. Yes. That was my thought. Three years for a stolen brooch. Yeah. Quite a bit. But... Hell of a brooch, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yes. You know how we do it in Philadelphia. We will get our culprits. We will, we will mm-hmm. fully investigate it. As we learned when my car was hit, you know, they are going to be on the job. No private detectives necessary. <laughs> 
So yeah, three years for this beautiful brooch. And that's the end of that story. Sam, he was trying to figure out if he could help out a little more with the investigation. And this leads to the next scene, which is one of my, probably my favorite scene, at least just as far as the atmosphere and the visual, uh, the, the film noir funeral was amazing. Like that nighttime funeral you never see anything like that with the umbrellas and everything yeah Yeah, it's it's great it was very stark yeah yeah i i absolutely love that so more of that please (laughs) retroactively deep fake in some nighttime funerals (laughs) that would be great and there's a lot of old friends and faces at this including charleston who sam points out to jim he was an acquaintance of the swede so jim of course goes to question him and he says, yeah, we were we were old friends, old roommates. All right. We were in a cell together. And we also learned out that old Charleston, he loves himself the stars. Instantly, you're like, oh, is that a, a constellation drawn on the cell uh, wall yeah. with chalk? They did he instantly they did. I is like, that's, yeah, yeah. by the way, yeah, I saw in the IMDb, there's some goofs as far as the accuracy of some of those constellations. So if you actually really love that stuff, you might be a bit bummed out. But hey, at least they tried, right? Yeah. And he had to be a little bit coerced into talking, and that was uh, via the the bottle a little yes, bit. Yes, of course. He loosened <laughs> yeah, up those lips. One. Yes, yeah. another yeah. trope. Saying that, yeah, like, oh, I'm not, I, I, you can't get me to talk. You can't get me to talk. <laughs> and then he tells everything. Everything, yeah. yeah. And the Swede is still obsessed with Kitty in prison. He's waiting for her to come visit or write a letter. But, of course, she's being Kitty. She doesn't say anything. Just lets him rot for three years going to be hard to keep that flame alive in my opinion but this sucker I, I think he's got the matches for it so sweet eventually gets out and charleston goes to get him to summon him to a meeting put together by colfax and we also get blinky and here's our dumb dumb <laughs> i loved hearing it always and yes. uh and then of course we got kitty uh chilling on a bed wiggling her feet just <laughs> Well, don't forget the scarf, though. Of course, the scarf. How could I forget this green scarf? Green and cats are going to be a a trope within a trope, I guess. Uh, They'll they'll be appearing. And I wonder, do you think they actually used green when they filmed it? Yeah, I would say so. Try to get in the zone? Yeah. Yeah. I was mostly wondering that when we go to the green cat or the green kitty later on, that bar. Oh, yeah. And there was like an actual cat. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if that thing is green. Yeah. But... Moving it, move it a little too far ahead. Let's cycle back. We're still planning this heist. It's a payroll heist at a hat company uh, that promises quite a bit of a payoff. He wants, I believe it was just 100000 or was it 150 It was like 250 I thought, right? 250 yeah. Well, that was the, what the, the payoff was total. Remember, he said, I want a flat hundred and like $100,000 and you guys can split up the rest between yourselves. Oh, right. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wanted his, because he had figured it out himself. So he wanted a bigger cut. That's right. Which was fair. He's the brains um, in the operation. Yeah. But our our friend Charleston, our, our alcoholic constellation loving friend, he thinks it's a little too risky. He wants easy jobs and he's not trying to go back to prison. Right. Um, and, and then he takes off and that was it for his relationship with the Swede. The Swede should have done the same thing. I mean, three years is enough. Three years, you learn a lesson, even if you didn't even need to learn that lesson. He tries to talk him out of it. Yeah, he does. What do you mean? But it's Kitty too. I mean that that's a well, lot. That's, of, why, that's, that's why he stays. Yeah, he's not no. I get it, job. but he's in it for her. Maybe yeah. if he didn't get your brains all boxed up, you would realize that uh, this is a trap, and you got to get out of there. And women that don't visit you three years in prison, even just to tell you that they're not going to be visiting you, are probably not worth pursuing into 
things that will take you back to prison or worse, get murdered. Moth to a flame, my friend. Which, spoiler, to the beginning of the movie is what happens. This guy, Dum Dum Clark, needs to give his name over to old Swede, huh? Yep. That part I love, too, when they actually, when he's fighting and he comes back and you realize that his hands all busted. Yes. That, but that's a good part when they're talking about him like he's cattle when he's <laughs> up, you know? And yeah, and they're just like, oh, we just wasted all this money on this guy. Yes. Let's get this, let's get this other guy. You see that yeah. guy and the other guy? Yeah. yeah. He's right there. He's not even conscious. He's in the shower, like trying to wake up. And they're like, oh, do you see this? To be fair, though, like, however, like, concussed or whatever's going on with him, though, like, he is barely there. He doesn't remember what happened in the fight. Like, I've been talking like this, too, in front of him. Like, he's not going to remember much of it. He thought he was still in the fight. Yeah. He said, well, yeah. what round is it? Exactly. To be fair, he's not the one telling the story. So he probably was just like, I remember uh, boxing. My hand hurt. And that was it. Instead of just yeah. like, oh, yeah, these guys were terrible to me. And like you said, but you get to cattle. see it from that point of view about how little they care about him. And if, after that, though, you know, he's with Sam and he's like, you know, there were what did he say? 50 guys out there when I won. You know, he's like, yeah, what he says, he says something like it's like funny when you lose a fight. Like there's nobody there. You yeah, know? no one cares. Yeah. Yeah, nobody cares. I, I thought that was sort of a good scene. It's just how how little regard they have for these people that took a total physical beating. And, and it, you know, a lot of it really happened. Yeah, you think someone would be there to like spit on him or kick him while he was down? <laughs> like I'm surprised no one wants to show up for that, but we love winners more than we want to spit on someone. Well, he like trained to yeah. like box for like a few months, didn't he? Like to to get into like shape for the for the movie. He for, did. For, yeah. Um, I didn't find it that successful, honestly. Like, you know, it was, it yeah. looked like it he was, was throwing the fight, man. That's yeah, honestly, that saw his hand. Exactly. No, I mean, it just it, you know, it didn't do a terrible job, but it just wasn't as authentic as I think he was going for. It was like not worth doing all that training. He probably still would have done as good a job. But it was yeah. like two lanky dudes going at it, you know, like it's not gonna be that good of a fight. <laughs> That's what boxing was. <laughs> Basically. I don't know. Come on, guys. We've seen the setup. We know what boxing and film could be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Plenty yeah. others. I would rank this pretty low on the, the film noir boxing, you know, accuracy or... Yeah, I think there's Body and Soul, I think, is the, another one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, like I said, I don't know if the point was that his hand was messed up, which is why he just kept hugging the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely... Yeah, he was just like, I, I think he was just like, I'm out. Like, there's not much I can do in this. I thought they did a great job with the makeup of the swelling, too. Yes. Like, I really did enjoy that. I mean, it was it was just enough. They were very subtle with it. But I, that it really did take you notice. Like, oh, God, that hand is fucked up. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's done. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For that, for that time. They, yes, they it looked very realistic. It's um, weird they don't address it, though. Like, why did he break his hand? Is there any? That was the only thing for me. I'm like, how did that happen? There's so much more real estate they wanted to vote to everything else. I know. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so we're finding out more details of the, the hat heist and everything. You think? I wonder if they grabbed a couple hats on the way out, too. How do you not? Right. Um, that should be the take. You know, maybe you have to move the hats. It's not the money itself. Mm-hmm. Just well, like I, drugs. I was going to say, like, one of my favorite <laughs> shots in the movies is that crane shot what, during the heist. Because the camera, like, it kind of, like, pans up once they get through the gate and then it pans up in, in to show you the, the spot right yeah. out in, right inside where the, where the, uh, the payroll stuff is. Yeah. And it yeah. just stays static there and then it follows it back down. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah and that was all one take too. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was quite cool, but big fan of that stuff. Let's keep getting ahead of ourselves, everybody. 
I thought we were there. We're basically there. We're basically there. But we still got to talk to Blanky, Dan. Blanky's on his goddamn deathbed. I don't want to talk to Blanky. All right. Well, Blanky's about to blink himself out of existence, but he he rambles on about the robbery, which there we go. We're talking about it. I don't like this scene. I don't like this scene because it's, it's so ridiculous that in, in this delirium this is what he's talking about and then you have the guy like narrating oh he's gonna tell the story now oh th- oh he's at the heist now like it's super like, far-fetched it, exactly it's just like th- this is the part where i'm just like oh come on like it just if seems he so ran a little and he gave like somebody's name and then they got yeah the- just like info right. to lead to something instead of all the details and then of course right. yeah when the, when you get the bookends of it it's like nothing he said really leads to that story i'm sorry yeah. guys yeah you know how blinky goes yeah um, can't put it past blinky nope and we're also gonna. There's a scheduled meeting place, this halfway house that we're gonna go to, but that gets blinked out of existence, burned away. So now there's a there's a new place to meet at, and the suite arrives last to it, and he's like, "Hey, Colfax, you've been trying to cheat me here. I got the upper hand on you." So he grabs the money, all of it, and takes off. And then this is Blinky. After that, it was like, "Okay, you guys got it. Was that enough for you?" And then he dies. And now Jim feels pretty confident to proceed that this is connected with the Swede's murder. And he goes to his old room at this boarding house to check things out. And while he's there, he sees that Dum Dum is about to come in, also looking for the Swede. And the person that runs the boarding house is in on it uh, with Jim as well. Like they're able to, to coordinate. He's like, oh, this is the guy. And he's able to get a nice little upper hand on him. So when he does, he tries to get a little more details of this robbery because, you know, everyone's got a story. I'm sure he's like, all right, let me start from the beginning. He's like, no, 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 I, I know all this part. Just tell me a little bit what's going on with why did the meeting place change? Yeah. And so Dum Dum says that it was Kitty was this woman that was involved. I mean, we saw it, but now it's being said with names and words. And that after midnight, the night of the robbery, she had told each of them separately about this change and told the Swede last. But then also he claims that he was not told. So Jim says, uh, he says to Dum Dum that the Swede had run off of Kitty and went to Atlantic City where Kitty had run away with the money. And then this is where the uh, suicide in the hotel would have happened. So we're starting to connect all these little puzzle pieces here throughout this little storytelling Dum Dum finds uh, ways to distract Jim. He's like, oh, can I get a light? Can I smoke a cigarette? Mm-hmm. And when he does this, he, he uses it to lunge at him and escape so yeah, dumb, dumb, not so dumb. I mean, some of these names are ironic, you know. I guess that's maybe that's why he is called the Swede after all. Uh, and Jake the Rake. I mean, he wasn't a rake at all. So. He was a rake. He raked up all the coals, all the all the bad stuff, all the leaves, the crime, the leaves of crime, and and put them into one big pile. And he, he's he is the hero of this piece. I mean, someone please take Jake the Rake as a name and put it into something. It, we it's just sitting there waiting to be used again. Yeah, I think this is when he finally realizes he's a little in over his head because he uh, he's just an he's not a cop. He's just an insurance guy. And he kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's getting physical, which, you know, insurance uh, investigators should not be at all. <laughs> no. If anything, they should turn this information over to the police. But, uh-huh. you know, they seem pretty fine with just letting someone get gunned down and <laughs> moving on. You know, you know, New Jersey is they don't care. There's a lot going on in New Jersey. <laughs> Again, I keep saying these things for reactions and I'm getting the faces and no sounds. I'm going to edit them in, everybody. So if you hear some. Hey, we're, we're saying some stuff. You're saying it visually. And again, as a Zoom user, talking with my friends, loving it. Great reactions. But I'm not hearing it. And if I'm a podcast listener, I'm like, hey, that gentleman, Joey, 
it is the fuck off on New Jersey. That's then maybe that's the reaction we're going for. Especially considering New Jersey is probably one of our most highly listened to areas of the podcast. But that's right. So you're probably true. Yeah, be yeah. quiet. But hey, Philadelphia in this story as well. And you know, another thing I thought uh, it was when the, you were speaking of the gas pump and filling. You know, even back then you couldn't fill your own gas in Jersey, huh? Mm-mm. That's a shame. Nope. Listen to this dead air. These people love not pumping their own gas. They're freaks. They're fucking monsters. There's nothing better in life than taking control of that pump, putting in your own gas, selecting that grade. You can you can end it on coins. They're not trying to round you up to you know a full dollar amount so they don't have to give you a change. You know, you can go in there and live your own life. You also don't have to get out of your car. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you enjoy that. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you can convince me, but you know, any other time, you know, you got to get out. But also, you know, go get out and take out your trash. I always felt like I could never take the trash out of my car in New Jersey because I'm not trying to interact with the person pumping my gas. Looking oh, God at forbid. Why? looking at my trash, <laughs> yeah. saying, "Hey, you've been to Taco Bell a little too many times, there, buddy." And it's like, "Whoa, oh, well, then Whoa. judge yourself." Yeah, exactly. You worried about being judged? Always. always. I'm sure they've seen it all. I'm sure they've seen a lot worse. I think that's the perspective you have to take. I'm, I am always the, the the next lot worst. I'm the worst. <laughs> like so you think you've seen it. Here comes this pile and this vehicle. <laughs> Joey Joey lives in his car. That that's what he's trying to say. He's doing this podcast right now from the car. I live in my car and I pump my own gas. You know yep. that's I stand firm on that. Then maybe he needs to. Yeah, nobody wants to see that, so that's why he pumps his own gas. I remember one time hanging out with someone from Jersey and they came to Philly and it was time to pump their own gas. And when they went to take off, uh, this is a mutual friend of ours. I, I'm not going to call him out on this podcast, but I will tell the story afterwards again. I uh, think I have a guess. Who this might be. <laughs> but they went to take off the gas cap and then they, they, there was a pause and they went, oh, lefty Lucy. And I'll never forget that. Didn't even know how to turn it off. And then I took over pumping the gas. <laughs> Shout out to this mysterious non-gas pumper. Lots of love for this Valentine's Day season. So yeah, we now also later learned about the halfway house, which we're all curious about. We never get to see the halfway house or what the deal with it. You know, it burned down. That's why it burned down. Yeah, because it burned down and it burned down actually after two a.m. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, why would a halfway house be a, a meeting spot? I don't know. It just is there no one there, or are we literally just calling a halfway house as it's like a halfway point to meet? It's a good question. I assumed that they meant halfway house, like a halfway house, not not in the, yeah. the way that you're saying it. Right. I mean, um, I, I would think that, but I don't know. I think it was just a clandestine place to meet where they may not arouse suspicion. I mean, I mean, you could burn it down get. and get away with it, basically. Sort so, of a, yeah, maybe back then a more seedy place where people didn't care if you came or went. And yeah. A lot of questions. I feel like that. Yeah. Nothing like now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much not seedy anymore. Thank God. Uh, but yeah, so this thing burned down after 2 a.m., not midnight. So now it seems like old Colfax and Kitty are probably behind the Swede's murder. But Sam, he's like, you know, Colfax has gone straight. I think you're, you're wrong there, but let's find out. Let's go to this factory that he manages at. And Colfax is there. He's like, I don't know anything about anything. I don't know where Kitty is. Who's that? But later on, Jim gets a phone call from Kitty. And saying that, hey, we should meet up. So they head to, uh, they're supposed to go to a rendezvous spot, but they get a little further than that. And they're also being trailed by Alan Max. They come back. They've been gone this whole time, but then they show up. I, I kind of wish they were in it a little more, but it's fine that they're just sort of these like weird silent killers. I mean, 
the movie's named after him, right? Like, to get a little more. Mm-hmm. I like when they show up. The music reminds me of Dragnet. If you realize in the mm-hmm. end, when they come in in the green cat, it's it's very Dragnet-esque. If you feel that way, Lisa, you are going to love our fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> Great setup. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Thank you. That's why you're on the show and no other reason. <laughs> Not your expertise and the fact that you're a joy to talk to. <laughs> it's just that. So don't get cocky over there. You know what? All right. <laughs> She says uh, that she had convinced the Swede that the others were double crossing him and you got to take Kitty away from Colfax, Swede. And then she's like, but I but I like the Swede in Atlantic City with the money and that's it. So leave me alone. I'm married now. I, I got a good life going. I'm no longer this femme fatale with a record. So come on now. I'm living the good, quiet Jersey life. Get this filliness away from me. She also got a great Philly hat. filth. Oh, great hat. hat. Awesome. She oh, looked like awesome. Carmen San Diego. Yes. Yeah. No, sorry, Dan. I got to disagree. <laughs> that hat was terrible. I'm a big hat guy, so I, I'm always skied on on. Uh... That would just make me think of somebody's mom. Yes. It was not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. It's all right. But I mean, maybe that hat was taken in the hat heist, guys. Maybe. Maybe. So thank you for pointing that out, Dan. Yes. I could try. Success is the, what we give to you. Jim, he really needs to get proof of Colfax's participation because he really thinks that he's the one that is behind this. I mean, he put together the whole heist and such. And we also saw, we didn't really get into, but uh, she was with Colfax, you know, around the time we were putting together this heist. And there's, you know, like a bit of a triangle. Colfax didn't like the Swede due to the fact that he was once with Kitty and the fact that he still feels protective and some ownership over her. So he's like, you know, you and me after this, this heist, we got business. I think you fucking suck, dude. We're going to deal with this. So there's, there's been a bit of that going on. So it seems like, hey, that's more reason that Colfax was behind this whole thing. She is like, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and get you some proof. But I just got to go ahead and powder my nose. So BRB, do, do, do. Sounds familiar. As you do. Meanwhile, the whole time you're like, I bet she picked this place because it has a wonderful window to get the hell out of the bathroom for. And, and yeah. we can assume that we're correct in that. Yeah. Al and Max have been at this bar as well, having a lovely time. They can get a drink here at this place. Not like these Jersey diners that get you nothing trying to keep you dry until six o'clock. So they start to move in on Jim, but they get cut off. We got all the cops there. Sam was there. He's been behind the bar ready to pull off this little this little trickery. But we see that Kitty has escaped. It's a windy day, of course. Letting the air through in the bathroom, which is usually a good thing unless you want to keep a perpetrator intact. They found a way to escape. Uh Uh-oh. We got to get this Kitty. This is an inside cat. Now she's an outside cat, huh? There we go. (laughs) How late did you stay up writing all of these? I was just struggling and I'm trying to get us past it. So I'm relying on (laughs) shtick. So excuse me. A little BTS for you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. We head to Colfax's house. We get there and there's some gunshots before we even get inside. And we find poor Dum Dum, our favorite character, is now dead. Uh, I mean, our second favorite character. Jake the Rake is our favorite character. Oh, yes. Still alive, everybody. <laughs> yep, made it through. Made it through. The true hero <laughs> of the movie. Also, so, can we talk about these stairs? I mean, yes. these, these stairs are amazing. It's exactly oh, wow. like a perfect climax. Kill everyone on the stairs. stairs yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah kind of staircase you want to die on if you're gonna die on. not a dinky little yeah nope yeah. you're either gonna die or you're gonna slide your bare butt down that railing correct mm-hmm. maybe both 
Maybe both. Sometimes yeah. one does lead to the other. That's true. <laughs> Uh, poor Colfax. Unfortunately, he did not slide down the banister. He is actually, unfortunately, dying on the stairs. He chose the other route and he's got Kitty over him. And we're now finding out that Kitty was his wife. This is the marriage she was talking about. And they're pulling that classic, hey, we're married. You can't testify against your spouse. So they had a, a whole little uh, plan there. But nope, not good after all. Colfax admits to having the Swede killed by the killers because he thought these other gang members would try to come to him. And then realize that because he's with Kitty, they double-crossed him. They clearly living a good life. So that's no good. He wants all the money to himself, too. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So he starts to die off, and it's not going well. And the whole time, Kitty's just like, please declare me innocent. Let me know that I, I'm I'm safe to be. With just one word, all will be well. But they're like, you know, you, whatever that cool line is about not condemning a man to hell when he's dying or whatever. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed me, yeah. me put it in there in the edit. <coughs> Jim, Jim, tell him I didn't know anything. Jim, listen to me. You can save me. Jim, do you hear me? Tell him I didn't know those gunmen were coming. Say, Kitty is innocent. I swear, Kitty is innocent. Say it, Jim. Say it. It'll save me if you do. Don't ask a dying man to lie his soul into hell. Kitty is innocent. I swear, Kitty is innocent. It's no use, Kitty. It would be Fall Guys dead. Come back, Jim, tell him. Come back. Save me, Jim. Kitty is innocent, I swear. Kitty is innocent. Kitty is innocent, I swear. Kitty is innocent. Kitty is innocent. Great little ending there. I like that. Sam gets the good line at the end there. Hell yeah, Sam Levine. You Lubinsky. You're the greatest. (laughs) (laughs) That's the killers, everybody. Yeah, I would give it probably 6.5 Swedes out of 10. (laughs) <laughs> I, I could probably be persuaded to seven. Um, seven. I'd say seven. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like seven, seven point two. Like think, I'm, I'm in that range. I think ultimately it's just a little long. And I think, you know, like we're saying, like the, the greats are just a little evergreen at the time. It's not terrible, but it's just what keeps it from being spectacular. And that, and that goes for the director too. And um, yeah, I mean, just eventually you get to crisscross and I, I feel like it is, everything succeeds there. You almost kind of want this cast in crisscross other than keep dan durier and oh, yeah. uh and then you, you know you might have yourself a little interesting story but i don't know i was just trying to think of movies that i would consider a seven and i just like those more than i ultimately like this one hmm. like it's like I, I don't think i've seen this movie in like about a decade and i feel like it's just kind of one you do check in like every 10 years or something like that hmm. i like sadamac i like you know i like things he's done you know but there's other ones that i've seen from him that i definitely like he's a great director he's just absolutely a a good director at this point yeah yeah what do you think dan yeah i agree no i i like his stuff and yeah i i honestly don't have that many like huge issues with it i mean like i think like we talked about it's you know a lot of the tropes but it's you know it's sort of relatively early on in in the film noir canon in general so it's not like it's you know it's not like this has been done a whole lot before this so yes and no, I mean, you got to think of the, the volume of movies that had come out within all these years, true. though. I mean, it, it's a tough call, but it's just like there's everyone in it has done better. And it's just also like, I, I don't know if I could like recommend this movie other than like if there's like a plot point in this. Like, oh, you should see the killers because this happens in it. But like other than that, it's just I would I would recommend Crisscross first or, or just other movies out of the past. If you're looking for a diner and gas station, you know, like there's other ones. But 
Chris Cross has those that cool cable cars. So, you know, I, yeah. I think that that's always going to have the one up, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's minimum. just like lacking, but it's not, it, you know, I don't mean this as a bad thing. It's just it's just not spectacular, but it's not bad. Like, you know, you'll, you'll have a yeah. fine time. It's on TV. Feel free to, to stay. There's a lot of cool yeah. stuff. Like I said, I mean, I love that graveyard scene. I even feel like there's one more scene I, I forgot about and thought I would have remembered. But there's just little little flourishes like, you know, definitely, you know, watch it for inspiration. I think the reason why it has staying power, like you said, is because it's the debut of two actors who went on to have great careers and, you know. It's all potential, you know? Yes, I think that's a reason why. It's the promise of what's to come. And I'm sure like if in 46, you know, we're watching this fresh, Criss Cross doesn't even exist yet. Like, oh yeah, you're going to be blown away. Like, check out the killers. Like, this thing's great. And that opening is is flawless. I mean, if if it was more, I don't even know what you could do to achieve it. But like, if it's something more in that vein it's not like the rest of the movie feels different from it but i mean you know yeah. that's the hemingway and the rest is something else like that's oh. what's special i would say that's a good part too is for hemingway hemingway was sort of like the you know uh precursor for um he you know a lot of his books had been made into movies and you know he wasn't especially happy with a lot of them so this was know. the fourth at this time yeah, the fourth, the exactly. fourth movie, uh, film adaptation. So we had Farewell to Arms, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and To Have and Have Not. Right. And he wasn't super happy with a lot of them, which, you know, this was like the only one that he really loved. So, you know. It was, quote, the first film of his, uh, from any of his works that Ernest could genuinely admire, according right. to his biographer. Sort of like Stephen King, who now, you know, same kind of thing where he had a lot of his books adapted and didn't love them. But yeah, well, especially with short stories, too. I mean, yeah. So, because you know, short stories are the best kind of stories, you know, get us in and out, blow us away in a couple pages (laughs) and let's move it on, you know. But there's so much creativity and ideas in there, especially because you're not trying to draw something out. So a lot of times these do get adapted to movies and it is just like, well, it's a short story to this. You're going to have to do some padding. And that's where you can really see like what filmmakers have, you know, if, if they're worth anything. And the other thing that's interesting, too, is like, you know, this was a 1927 short story. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost 20 years later that they finally got to this. And, yeah. you know, you know, a 20 year old story, you'd be happy if someone could do any kind of justice to it. Yeah. Um, but this came from uh, producer Mark Hellinger and he paid 36 thousand dollars for the screen rights this was his first independent production and the screenplay was actually written by john houston who was uncredited due to a contract with warner brothers as well as mm-hmm. richard brooks cider mac kind of had some he, he had to figure out how to work with mark hellinger because he was a newspaper guy and he always wanted each scene to end with a punchline, hmm. which the director didn't really want to do so he had to fight against that Hellinger himself, he was looking to cast unknowns in these roles because he just felt like everyone else had, they were already so known and hyped that audience would be like, oh, this person, you know, they always play this character. So as soon as they come about, like that must be who they are. So he wanted people to be surprising. You'd have to figure out these characters and their motivations for yourself. So he he came across some some new people. You had Burt Lancaster, of course. He was 33 years old and this was his first film. He got top billing. So that's a pretty good debut for you. Mm -hmm. He came from Union City, New Jersey, so that was also accurate. The Jerseyness was fine; it's just the Swedishness, apparently. <laughs> this was also a debut role for William Conrad, who played Max, one of the killers. Good for him for getting in it. And then, of course, uh, Ava Gardner. It wasn't her first, but it was definitely very early for her. She was yeah. still quite unknown. 
According to a Hollywood Reporter news item, MGM was going to originally loan Audrey Totter for the role. But then there was a problem with our old friend Robert Montgomery causing troubles. He did a walkout on the film Desire Me, and that nullified the entire agreement. So then Universal borrowed Ava Gardner from MGM for the role. Uh, The director, Sidermack, he had some difficulties with Gardner at the ending because he needed her to get quite hysteric for the whole, you know, don't ask a dying man to lie his soul to hell part. And so (laughs) to get her to this uh, state, he, you know, did the very classy thing of bullying (laughs) her to tears, quote, barking at her. If she did not do the scene right, he would hit her, end quote. That's how you direct a film. (laughs) I guess. Oh, boy. What I want to know is how she and uh, the other one married Mickey Rooney. Who's the other one? Who was the blonde? Uh, Oh, oh. uh, Both uh, were married to Mickey Rooney. How? Yeah. Come on, Dan. I'm I'm on it. Martha Martha Vickers? No. No, no. There's a... a, The sweater girl. I was going to say Martha Vickers is not blonde. Did he marry Martha Vickers, though? That's crazy. He did, briefly. Mickey Rooney. He was married to all of... Mickey Rooney, yeah. Helene Devery? He cast no. a wide net. That's for sure. He married a lot of people. So I'll go. I'll go down the list. So Ava Gardner, in, Betty no. Jane Phillips. I'm about. I, hold on. I'm about to. Martha Vickers, no. Elaine Devery, no. Barbara Ann Thompson, no. Marge Lane. No, there's one that's like so quick. Carolyn yes. Hockett and oh. Jane Chamberlain. Wow. Okay, maybe they weren't married, but they were together. Four, five, six, seven. He was married eight times, and he had nine children. Yeah. No, yeah. she was in, um, oh, oh my God, now my brain's going totally to a sieve. Are you sure it was Mickey Rooney? Yes. I'll get it. Give me a second. She was in Johnny Eager, which, oh, that's a good one. Lana Turner. Lana Tur- yeah, Lana Turner. Okay, just think about that one for a minute. I'm trying to look up. So yeah, Lana Turner is in that, but I'm trying to see the connection between her and, and Rooney. He's in her uh, biography. Yeah, I don't know if they got married, but. No. But they, uh, he, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, definitely not married. No, he'll be back though. What's his film noir? What's that one called? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, it's no, good, not Pitfall. Um, no, uh, something it, trap. I'll take in two seconds. Thank God we edit this thing. I know, sorry, no, it's, no, 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 it's, it's more, good information. I, think it's, I think it's more fun to have the oh, wait a second. Oh, I love the oh, wait a second. Um, Why do you want me to tell you about what uh, Ava Gardner said about Frank Sinatra and his penis? Would yeah, you- absolutely. <laughs> okay. that's, that's why you're here. <laughs> that's why she married him. Drive a crooked road. Yeah. Dri- yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh, I thought you were talking about quick. We'll get to that. No. no I want to hear. I want to hear this other story. Yes, please, please. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean. We have more important things to talk about. Yeah, and Frank Sinatra's dick. Yeah, Yeah. they were married for seven years, and she said he was kind of like being married to a woman, but apparently he had a big dick, so that's why she stayed with him for seven years. Wow. I should hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Frankie Sinatra, of course, showing up on the deathbed to pay for stuff. He always did that with his ex-wives. It's it's a weird move. I you know, like I, I don't know how I feel about that. I like I it's Sure, nice, but ultimately, like, what the fuck, dude? Well, if he had the money and they did, and I guess it's polite, you didn't. She did have the money, at least in, oh, in her well, case. Then. So mm-hmm. I think he was still just being like, "Hey, remember that big dick of mine? Here it is. <laughs> Here in it ca- is. Here's it in yeah. cash form. Yeah, 
Uh, and one other inf- bit of information before we move on from Gardner is uh, her contract for this movie actually requested that her singing voice be not dubbed. Oh. So, so that was her. She did a nice job. Yeah, she did. She did. Also, speaking of this remake, because that was directed by Don Siegel, he was actually up for directing this version of The Killers. That's who the producer had wanted, but it was the, the loan out fee was too high, so it did not work out. But then, weirdly enough, in 64, he did make his own version. And maybe we'll talk about it someday. Um, it also, one thing that that remake shares in common is the girl that played, uh, what was the Sam's wife's name? Lily. Lily, Lily. Lily. Yeah, she is actually in that remake as well as a mm-hmm. blind secretary. Yes. Huh. This movie was an obsession of Howard Hughes. Uh, he would watch it several times a day before he finally got into another movie in 1968. Um, he was also someone that was pretty obsessed with Ava Gardner, and they had a bit of a relationship as well. Um, do you know anything about his dick at all, Lisa? I, I No, I'm sorry, I don't. Okay. I mean, I think we could all assume Howard Hughes had a garbage penis. There's, <laughs> there's just no way a guy like that living that kind of life was killing it as a cocksmith. So sorry to hear that. <laughs> we have to get like a double explicit uh, reading on this episode. <laughs> but yeah, so Gardner stated in her autobiography, Ava, my story that she was never in love with Hughes and that he was in and out of her life for about 20 years. So just kind of showing up in the DMs every now and then, I guess, just to be like, hey. Slide, slide into the DMs. Slide in, like, hey, there. remember me? Remember the good times? It's like, what, for a couple of days and you kept your piss in a jar? Like, chill mm-hmm. out, dude. He bugged her house. Cut he... your nails already. Yeah. That's everything other than uh, our little crime, the, the, the old hat company crime. With inflation, that's going to get you about $4.6 million today. And, and I'm sure, as we always say, even more now that inflation keeps going. So, like, I mean, the one thing I had about that scene is I like when it, he's, he's like narrating that story where they're all walking into the into the, uh, the, the hat manufacturer. The, yeah, yeah. And all four guys are like relatively in close proximity to each other. And like they're they're joking around talking to these people. These people are like they've probably been working there for years. Isn't it weird that you're seeing all these guys showing up that you've never seen before walking in with the rest of them? Like none of them are, are like suspicious at all. Like, hey, hey, are you who are you? Like I'll be checking the AC. You know, people yeah. come in every now and then. Yeah, that's checking true. the photocopier. Yeah, but they're all dressed the same. Like they're all, you know, uh, they're 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 walking in line with the rest of the regular workers. I don't know. It just felt felt a little bit weird to me. But that could also be just that we could also just offer that it's the recollection of this guy who's who's a little bit. So he's remembering it. He's like, yeah, I think they all wore the same suit. I can't remember. And and they all yeah, just blended true. in so nicely. So maybe in actuality, the reality was that they had to like even more clandestinely sneak in. You're right, Dan. I hated that too. 5.5. Downgrade the movie. Wow. <laughs> I was trying to get you. Get I am down, making so. jokes, cracking Robert Wise over here. One more fun fact I forgot about, actually, uh, Nick Adams, who's in the the intro and shows up a little bit as well. He's barely in this, but he's actually a, a character that shows up quite a bit in Ernest Hemingway stories, um, mm-hmm. sometimes as a prominent character. So I thought that was cool. I like when there's a common character in an author's stories or a town or just something that connects it. Sometimes. Sometimes I don't like it. I don't know. Ask me each day how I feel. I will. It I'll changes every every day. Changes like the wind. You guys promised me something about my uh, my comment about the killers and the the music. I, I... It's just basically, yeah, that that uh, they actually had used that same like it was inspired by that actual music for the dragnet theme. Like it actually, oh. it was. It, the, ah. It's not out of nowhere. That was a, a absolutely inspiration. Yes, 
I, I mean, we love Dragnet on the show, all versions. Yeah. Dragnet, it, Dragnet is a great show. Yeah. I, I used to love that. And I, it, it's, it bums me out that I'm going to go off on a tangent real quick. That they have other shows. Dragnet like, tangent. For instance, like Adam 12. Like, I really like Adam 12. And they I'm show it on MeTV. And Adam R54. 12 is a, is a spinoff of Dragnet. And it's one of the producers was Jack Webb, blah, blah, blah. And MeTV... I want to write to them and say I've I've because they kept showing Adam Twelve over and over again at the same time and I've watched every episode five times over now. Start showing Dragnet episodes. That's that's all I gotta say. Like, I haven't watched it in years. They used to show it on on TV Land. That's how I started watching it. They used to do back to back blocks where they do Adam Twelve and then Dragnet back to back. And I used to watch it like every night when they had it on. And it was a great block. And I, I wish they'd bring it back. I think it's it must be like a rights thing. Like that yeah. stuff is so yes. split up because Sometimes. you know hey bring it back to green acres spin off of petticoat junction you know like that mm-hmm. stuff is like nowhere to be found and yet you can get all the green acres you want so yeah i don't know what's up with these things stop spinning off so we could just get what we need that's the one is that the one in the beginning with the bat where she's in the barrel is that yeah. junction yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i thought so it's a great time shout out to hooterville <laughs> what a place to be <laughs> all right guys well that's going to do it for this round. Uh, join us next week, episode 58. We're going to be staying in 1946. We love this year. We're coming back for a little Gilda. What did you say to him? I just told him if a man answers, hang up. about me, Gabe. If I'd been a ranch, they would have named me the bar nothing. There never was a woman like Gilda, or a picture like Gilda. Columbia's outstanding screen triumph, starring Rita Hayworth with Glenn Ford. That's what I told Bell, and that's what you're going to tell me. Making me deceive my husband. I got some news for you, Gilda. He didn't just buy something. He's in love with you. One man bought Gilda. Another hated her and hungered for her. I hate you too, Johnny. I hate you so much that I think I'm going to die from it. Darling. Gilda, inflaming men's hearts with a kiss or a song. Amado mio, love me forever and let forever She started to shim and shake. That brought on the Frisco quake. Make her stop. What do you mean by it? Now they all know what I am. And that should make you happy, Johnny. It's no use just you knowing it, Johnny. Now they all know that the mighty Johnny Farrell got taken. And that he married a... Oh, nice. And uh, we'll be keeping it Valentine's Day riffic, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll bring the love. And if you guys want to bring the love, go ahead and email us, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. Love can also be shown in uh, 
comment on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, rather, if you love it. Don't do Spotify, though. Uh, Neil Young says it's bad, so we're going to go with him. <laughs> I don't want to be on the wrong side of history of Neil Young. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Same. Same. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff out of the podcast. Instagram. Send a telegram. Yeah, yeah. you know. Send it Western Union. Yep. Send us money, Western Union. We'll take it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank Thanks you for so coming much. On the show. Sure, yes. absolutely. Thanks for having me. I wonder what you'll come back for. We'll see. Maybe you could bring a movie to us. Oh, I would love to. I have since to- we assumed you loved the killers, but this time you could you could come bring us one. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. That'll be a good mystery movie. I'm looking forward to it. Dan, also thank you for joining our little podcast. Me as well. Great to be here. Great to be here. Yeah. First, first time listener, long time. I mean, okay. wait. Long you time listen listener, to this first time oh. caller. I would never listen to this. You're crazy, Dan. <laughs> I've listened a couple of times. Fair enough. I, I appreciate that. You're our most valued listener. <laughs> I try. Your feedback actually leads to change, unlike the other listeners. So I will say is I don't listen that often, but I give a lot of feedback. So. That's so. true. Sometimes <laughs> important, like, Dan, did you listen? We did that. Yeah. Quit and I also send a lot, I send emails weekly about what how I think you know I could do the show better. Yeah, that's how I learned <laughs> what, to... what improvements I could do to make it better because I'm doing a terrible job. <laughs> Shout out to the report spam button. Just really takes care of those emails. <laughs> oh man. You're blocked. Oh man. You're blocked. Yeah. You're totally you're... blocked. I take these off and you don't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same. Blind. Glasses, everyone. We're making glasses jokes at the same. We love visual jokes on the podcast. That's what we're here for. But no one can see but us. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, you got to have a exclusive for the friends here. That's how we do it. Some things are just for us, including, you know, the conversation. These are people want to listen to it a couple days later. That's up to them. It's old news to us. That's right. But hey, in the meantime, speaking of all the crimes we just did to our listeners, here's one last one for you. <laughs> Audio crimes. <laughs> Everybody. Here's the audio crime. Here's the audio crime. Ridding.